Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a brilliant true crime podcast hosted by two zany sisters, all while baking up delicious treats in their kitchen. Here are your podcast hosts, Karen Devaney and Ann Varner. I am so delighted. You know what we're doing tonight? We're slaying. We in the are. Kitchen. It's another slay. I'm we so found excited. Another friend. We found another friend and another person that's brave enough to slay in the kitchen with us. I mean, brave. I'm so excited. Yes. Who is it? Um, her name's Jody. Oh, okay. Her name is Jody Millman and she is an author. Right. She's a award-winning author. Oh my gosh. We aspire to be her. Yes, we do. <laughs> and she's a lawyer, which is so out of my league. Oh my gosh, we really need to stay on the up and up tonight. <laughs> no, we cannot have any criminal activity. Nothing illegal mm-hmm. is happening. No, well, there, I don't know when it ever did, but whatever. <laughs> this podcast is probably illegal, but it's okay. <laughs> Welcome, Jody. We are so happy to have you with us. Hey, Karen. Hey, Anne. How are you doing this evening? Doing good. We are so fine. If we were any finer, it'd be illegal, and then you would be involved. Oh, Lord. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Jody, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I know you gals are down in Charleston. I'm at the other end of the northeastern coast. I'm in Poughkeepsie, New York, which is about an hour and a half north of New York City on the Hudson River. And um, I grew up here, spent some time away lived in uh, Syracuse, where I went to law school, New York City, where I went to law school. Mm. And then we lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan for a little while. And I never was so glad to leave the place. (laughs) Uh, That's how I felt about Maryland. No offense to people that live in Maryland, but But not my cup of tea. Yeah, we were ready to bolt out of that place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's, I think like you guys are used to the, uh, uh, to the to the way your uh, topography is, and you've got wonderful ocean, and I mean, yes. I've got the mountains here, I've got the Hudson River, and then when you're in the middle of the heartlands and you don't have anything, I don't know, know how this will function. We've always been close to water. We've yeah. always been. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. We've always lived near the coast or on the coast, so I don't know how people function like in the middle of the country. I feel really badly for them. <laughs> They're not really living the life that they could live. Well, I consider myself an honorary South Carol- Carolinian. Yes. Yeah. Carolinian. You're good. We we had a place down in Hilton Head for 35 years, almost nice. Almost 38 years. And it had to be near the water. So, of I mean, course. Yeah. I love it down there. You guys, yeah. Georgia Pines, I love them. Yes. <laughs> and all the gators, you just. Mm, you oh, love yeah. The gators. Right. <laughs> I got to tell you the beach. I yeah, me too. Mm, we do too. We're, as a matter of fact, a couple nights ago, we were out on the beach after work for a beautiful sunset. It was so gorgeous. We were out there writing, trying to write a little bit. Right. But we took the laptop out there and sat Ooh. and my family went and we really love to do that. My whole family is out there at the beach. They're today. out here today. Yes. Yeah, about that. <laughs> they leave me behind in a minute when it comes to the beach. <laughs> so, yeah. There's a lot to like about the beach. I mean, I would even go when we were down there in February, I would go down to the beach and I would be in the water. Yeah. I didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. I don't care. It's it's going to be warmer than New York. I'm in the that's, water. So, yeah. That's very true. That. 
and honestly, when you're in the water in February, there's less chance of a shark attack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I just made that up. <laughs> Not believe a word she says when it comes to your safety. <laughs> you probably <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I like to make things up, but it sounds really good. It does. Like sounds like no shark attacks in February. Yeah. I think I'm just declaring it. Okay. Okay. So Jody, let's hear um, what is your claim to fame? Well, my claim to fame, well, you mentioned that I'm a lawyer and I, um, I do you want to talk about the book or just talk about me for a little while? What would you like to know about? Because it's, it's interesting because my, my, I would have to say my law life and my writing life are so intertwined with each other, both teaching me how to write, you know, which is really kind of interesting because I think that writers are, that lawyers are really storytellers. If you think about it. Yes. Because when you are presenting a case to a judge or a jury or to uh, the other side, you have to tell your client's story. And so over the years, I practiced for many, many years, I found myself not being more fictional in what I was saying, but just, you know, adding intonations and just trying to make my my presentations a lot more interesting. Sure. So you added a little drama to it. Definitely drama. Because <laughs> I practiced um, matrimonial and family law. So, oh. I mean, we can't have any more drama than that, right? No, that is can't. so true. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah, I, I agree. I think lawyers are definitely storytellers. Anytime you they get up, I just am very, I love to watch real life courtroom dramas or whatever you call them. TV because I really love to watch the different attorneys from both sides tell these stories that you believe both of them because they're so right. good at the storytelling. And then it's like, how would I ever be a juror? Right. How would I make it <laughs> like, oh, I believe it's be, it'd be the last person that talked is going to be the winner. Right. Like it's going to have nothing to do with the case. It's just going to be what attorney I thought put yeah. on the best you cannot, show. You cannot be a juror. She's out. She's, She's out. out. You're out. You're disqualified. Right? <laughs> Note to sell. Note to sell. Yes. You know, if you think about it, I mean, there are two sides to every story. And, you know, it's the job of the, let's say if you're doing a criminal case, it's the job of the, the criminal defense attorney, you know, to paint your client in the in the rosiest picture. And then on the other side, it's the prosecutor to make him look like a villain. So it's really, it's the juror's job or the trier of facts job to decide, you know, who's t- not necessarily who's telling the truth, but you're right, who's more convincing. Yeah, right? it is. It comes down to being convincing. And that is putting on a show. So was it a natural progression for you then as a lawyer to decide to write a book? Was there a certain point where you were like, I've got to write this book? Actually, the answer is yes, because both of the stories that I've written about were stories that were inspired by crimes, which I had a personal brush with. Right. And, um, the first, the, my debut novel, which is The Midnight Call, and that's being released, re-released by my new publishing company on October 11th, tells a story. Actually, it was inspired by my history teacher, by my junior high school history teacher. And he was like an incredibly charismatic guy. And he really made world history interesting. When we were studying China, he dressed up like Genghis Khan. If we were <laughs> studying American history, come in like Robert E. Lee. I mean, here was a guy who was really wow. dedicated He was very dedicated to his craft. Incredibly dedicated. And the students loved him. And he was the type of guy that when you, you know, when you graduate and you go back to visit your school, you'd go visit him because he was such a cool guy. Yeah. 
Well, 10 years after I graduated, the, the actually the summer I graduated from law school, I was sitting at home and opened up our local paper. And there's his picture on the front page, uh, teacher held in connection with with students death. It's like, what? oh, my God. Wow. So I knew the family of the student because his brother was in my homeroom class. I knew all the attorneys. I knew the judges. I knew everybody. And I knew the killer. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that's crazy. Oh, the killer. You know? Yeah. And what was weird is that at the time, as I grow, as I've grown older and as I've written the story, I keep thinking back to what kind of danger were all of me, you know, all my friends and my oh, classmates in this guy, this guy snapped. Why did he snap? you know, in 1979 and not 1969 when I was sitting in this class. I mean, you're exactly right. It makes you feel like you really have dodged death. Yeah. Dodge the bullet. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Like that is a literal thing right there. Like that is, I mean, that you can't get more of an epitome of an example of that. Exactly. So I kept thinking, you know, after I, I, as I was following all of this, I was going to the courtroom, the court, the courthouse and getting, you know, the, uh, the records and pulling things out and collecting a file thinking, you know, someday I'm going to write about this. Because it's such an incredible story about right. how we don't know the people that are closest to us. How, do you know what I mean? That you re- who do you really ever know? Exactly. And it's and and there's a term in like hom- in like criminal psychology that's called the mask of sanity. Mm-hmm. And that mask of sanity is what people like serial, like how serial killers are able to just live amongst us and to, you know, it's, it's that mask. We all have different masks, right? Right. And so their mask that they present is not the, themselves. It's not the real person. It is what they need to do to convince other people that they are just like them. And it, that is an actual term It's the mask of sanity. And I think that you know, we all have a little bit of that, but I think killers have oh, an extra yeah. dose. An extra dose. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, this, uh, this uh, gun, this teacher was a- actually acquitted of what? the crimes. What? Because in New York, um, you, he was determined to be criminally insane and unable to stand trial. So instead of him going to jail, he's been sent to a psychiatric center, you know, forever. But he has the because it's New York State, he has the uh, ability every two years to request to be released. So wow. every two years, it's like rubbing salt in the wounds yes. because it's on the front page of the paper and the story comes up again. And, you know, it's just and and also I got a little I got a little flack from from people when I my book came out. Really? They would say to me. Well, you know, you're it's not necessarily you're taking advantage of the situation, but I know the family and I know everybody was kind of woven into the the fabric of the story. And some people were were really pretty upset about well, this. But you understand and that. yeah, I mean I can understand it, but you also have the right to tell your story. Express you have the right to do that. Expression. That's right. Yeah, yes. that's right. That's oh, right. And they right, have well, the right to. We're going to really dive into this. Yeah, this we're going to. so fascinating. And I did listen to the audio version of the Midnight Caller. So I'm very excited to talk about it with you. But let's go over the, the recipe yes. that y'all are going to play. Yeah. So Woo! we'll talk about this recipe that we are slaying. <laughs> okay. 
So I've got to pull it up again because I keep shutting off my phone like a doofus. And it is called, well, they're called Raspberry Cheese, Raspberry Cheesecake. I don't have the title. (laughs) (laughs) Raspberry Cheesecake Bars, I think is what they're called. Um, It's not a bar. It's cookie. It's a Raspberry Cheesecake Cookie. But right. what I would call these are thumbprint cookies. Okay. But it's okay. We're going to go, we're going to use this recipe, which we already have. And the really cool thing is it's five ingredients. Oh, I love a five ingredients. I love it. And the five ingredients, you, you mix them up and then you put it in the refrigerator and it chills for 45 minutes to up to two hours. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you have time to like take a break, have a drink, whatever, eat some berries, whatever yeah. you want to do. <laughs> And then, you know, it's like you cook it in stages. So luckily, Jody and I, we're on the same page because we're besties. And um, we have already mixed up and chilled our dough. Okay. So what we're going to do is get a pan with some parchment paper on it. Do you have that, Jody? I'm all prepared. Oh, wow. Have you preheated your oven? I'm all prepared. Yes. Well, of course you are. You're an attorney. (laughs) (laughs) I follow directions. Yes, I follow directions. (laughs) All right. So what we're going to do, and this this dough really reminds me, I don't know if you've ever made lemon bars. Uh, No, I haven't. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, this, I've made lots of them, unfortunately. And this dough reminds me of the lemon bars that you, the crust that you put first. It's almost exactly the same recipe it when I was going through. It smells very cream cheesy though. It is cream cheesy. Yeah. It's a little cream cheesy. So we're going to take our scooper, our super duper, not pooper scooper, and we're going to scoop the dough into a ball. Okay. And I just scoop that right into my very clean hand. And then I just kind of form it into a ball and it's a little bit crumbly, but it, it'll form for the most part. You know, mine isn't crumbly at all. Mine's very uh, doughy. Oh, good. Yours okay, Jody, right. That's just perfect. <laughs> I'm showing you up. I'm showing you up over well, here. The whole point is to slay in the kitchen. What's wrong with yeah. this? And a lot of times we're not the ones that slay, but that's okay. That's yeah. okay. That's the whole point is that y'all are better than me or us. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to put a ball and we're going to fill up our tray, our cookie sheet with our cookies. In now, ball. How, how many? How many do you think this is going to yield? Any idea? Um, I think it yields two to three dozen. I wouldn't oh. say more than three dozen. Wow! So I definitely think it's at least two. Do you agree with me? Do I need to put the? Do I need to put the uh, the cookie balls close together? Or are they going to? I don't think they're going to spread any more than when you put your indentation in it. Oh, okay, good. Okay. Thank you put them a little bit close together. And I'm just going to do like one batch with us so okay. that we can cook them and taste them and all that. And if we like it, we'll cook the rest of them later. And if not, <laughs> we'll just never speak of it again and throw the dough away. <laughs> now, during the pandemic, one of the things that I did was I um, decided, I made I made a list of, of, of things I wanted to learn how to bake. Oh, a baking bucket I made my bake bucket list. And so I learned how to make uh, French croissants, French macarons, babka, and uh, a pie pie crust. Because that was always uh, a challenge for me. Wow. Uh, The best, the the most difficult were the croissants. Mine came out, they were more like paperweights. Right. (laughs) 
croissants. <laughs> yeah, because that's just layers and layers of dough and butter and dough and butter and yeah. dough and butter. So did you yeah. make your own, did you make your own phyllo, phyllo dough, phyllo dough? I made you- my own dough. It took two days. <gasps> wow. That is commitment. Let's take a line and we would meet for four hours one day, make the dough. Then we set up the dough overnight. And then the next day we would, we would reconvene um, and, and make the croissants and cook them. And and some of them had uh, stuffing in them. We made chocolate and I think it was almond. Yes. Almond is our favorite. So it was, it was really, it was really a lot of fun. So did you use almond paste? Um, Pardon me? Did you use almond paste for the almond croissant? Um, did I? Yes. And I had trouble finding it locally, so I had to get it on Amazon. Oh, <laughs> gosh. That's crazy. I love anything with almond paste. I'm there. I don't yeah, care. I love almond paste. I'll put oh, that on my chocolate. Chocolate is really good, too. The chocolate <laughs> is really good. I bet the chocolate ones were good. And I like chocolate croissants, but I'm a sucker for the, um, the almond. It's just so delicious. It's stuck in it. It right? really does. It feels good. It feels good. It feels, it feels good. good. But I, I learned it's better it's better for me to buy them from somebody else and eat the ones yes. that I need. Yeah, I mean, there's just some things that are worth the money. We have yeah. found that Trader Joe's does excellent with croissants. Oh my and gosh, amazing. They come, they come, really? They come frozen and they come in a pack of four and you just put them out on your baking sheet the night before you want to cook them so they have time to thaw out and rise. The next morning you stick them in the oven and it's like you made them homemade from scratch. Oh, that sounds yummy. Trader Joe's. I got to tell you, they have chocolate and they have the almond and they are delicious. And we actually have a French bakery around here and I hope they're not listening, but Trader Joe's has better. They're they're very, very expensive croissants. They're better almond croissants. Yeah, they're they're almond ones. I don't know about. I feel like they get a little over, over almond. They do. They look, they over, I mean, there is a, there is a limit. Over almond, huh? Yes, you then can. it's a little soapy. I, I feel soapy. I don't know. Soapy. <laughs> <laughs> I may not. Maybe be that's how the French take baths. Maybe. <laughs> no, we're so stupid. Ooh la la. <laughs> Ooh la la. I'll take some almond. I'll put <laughs> almond paste on my toothbrush. And You're weird. I, I'm just saying it. Just that. it seems like a yummy thing to do. <laughs> so I say yummy. Yes, I've gotten like. I've gotten a dozen on my sheet. I've Not got, uh, I'm up to eight. I'm going to be, I think, 18. Oh, oh good okay, for good. Yeah. yeah really I don't have, I won't have much dough left by the time. That's good. Yeah. Perfect. Get as much on there as you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what else was fun? Making the macarons. And I had to, there was a woman in Paris who gave, online classes so I took her online class really yeah I've heard about people taking master classes to learn how to make those and you know it's not that they're not hard they're just a lot of steps and they're very expensive all the ingredients again almond almond uh, you have to use almond flour which is very very expensive yes yes and I've got to tell you it's on our baking bucket list for sure but again, with the Trader Joe's, <laughs> oh, they they've got great ones. Well. 
They have incredible ones and they're different flavors. I think there's like a pistachio, a chocolate, a caramel, and a vanilla is what oh, I want to say. Like they're in a little kit, right? Well, they're, they're frozen. frozen yeah, and you just I've had those. Yep. Yeah, and I really like them. I, again, I they are terrific. They're good. You know, you yeah. can freeze macarons up to six months. Oh, I so, didn't know. Yes. Yeah. You well, can, you can get the bacon on some macarons. Um, <laughs> and we don't, we're not like... Trader Joe's doesn't pay us, pay us any no, money. No, Trader Joe's does is, not pay us to advertise. I love Trader Joe's. I yeah. love Trader Joe's. <laughs> we don't have one. I have to drive 45 minutes to, to go to one. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. We have to yeah. go with the next so I go with a, you know, with a cooler and I stock up. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I um, drink their creamer. They have a really good oat milk um, coffee creamer. Yeah. And I love it. So when I go, I get six at a time. And then my kids come over and they take some. So then, you know, it doesn't take me long to go through them. You know, they also have a really good, or they used to have a really good frozen uh, key lime pie too. Oh. I used to, I used to stock up them. And then when I would have dinner parties, I would, oh. you know, take them out, you yeah. know, with raspberry tarts. They have great stuff. Really, oh, they really, really do. We're spoiled because our mom makes the best key lime pie. And she has taught us how to make it now because it's, it's one of those things. When my daughter turned 21, her present to my daughter was they went into her kitchen and she taught my daughter how to make the pie, Aww. which is really cool. And now, and then we were allowed to learn because we threw a fit because they, she taught my daughter and they, she didn't teach us. And we're <laughs> like first in line. So hello. So now we have her recipe and we can make it. And she makes it with the meringue and everything. And it is so good. Yeah. She's taken so we're, a few recipes and merged them. Yeah. It took her like a year to develop her own recipe. What does she use for the limes? Does she use fresh lime? What does she, she use? Does, if she does. If the, if the key limes are in season she prefers yeah. fresh key limes and they are, that must be out of this world yeah they, it is so good and then if we can't find the key lime the fresh key limes we use nelly and joe's yeah key lime they're, juice yep they're the best yeah, yeah. if you can't find it that's what i use yep. yes yep yes so it definitely is. all right so you have your cookies on I and you have my cookies yes okay. so we need to put our thumbs in the cookies which now that I, I wash my hands, okay. Yeah, I'm just using this little spoon to be oh, like a thumb. Okay. I mean, you can do it either way. I just don't like I it. I have a little spoon. I mean, that. So I'm just going to, yeah, and I'm just going to press a little, just make a little indention in it on each oh, one. Oh, yeah. That makes a little well. My cookies turn out to be a little sticky. I don't know why, but they was Mine are sticky too, and I think it's just, it's just the dough. I think it just has so much cream cheese in it. And butter. Yeah. It's really butter and cream cheese with a little. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it get mixed up and was like, whoa, this is this is mostly butter. It's the very little flour compared yeah. to <laughs> I know. Very little flour and, and not as much sugar as I thought it would be. But yeah. I guess we're gonna get the sweetness from the from preserves. the preserves. Oh, there's yeah, enough sugar. You know, I think there was enough sugar. Oh, yeah. that's true. It was a cup. It was a cup of sugar. That's enough. But it was only a cup of flour. And that's what kind of, I was like, well, how's this going to work? But it seems to be okay. It's just beautiful. They taste good too already. <laughs> <laughs> so once you have all your little indentations, just add a, it says a teaspoon. I'm just going to use this little spoon and kind of. Oh, okay. We cook it with the uh, jam in it. You sure do. You put your little jam in it and you're using it for hot. And I'm using blueberry. And if we lived closer, we could make a beautiful plate of cookies because yeah. it would be yeah, blueberry. we could. A rainbow, like a rainbow. <laughs> there we go. Isn't this fun? I yes. love it. 
We appreciate you being willing to bake with us. Not everybody will bake with us, but we have had some people. We actually taught um, a man over in the UK how to make vanilla scones. Wait a second. Isn't that where they come from? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But he, he, he's a bachelor and he just didn't know how to make, he, he's not really a baker, but he is now he has, he has the recipe and he uses it a lot. He takes it into work (laughs) and everybody asks when the next batch is coming. So he's got a lot of use out of that, but yeah, he he was really excited to learn that recipe. We also taught a Bigfoot enthusiast. How to make a pound cake. We did. We and he made a key lime pound cake with us, and he did such a great job. But he was a Bigfoot um, enthusiast. Enthusiast. He doesn't call it hunter. He calls it a researcher. Researcher. I'm not hunting to kill anything. I just want to know about. Did he ever see Bigfoot? Oh yeah. Oh, he's had lots of run-ins with. What has he got? One of Bigfoot's toes or. Uh, he's got a phalange a phalange (laughs) okay all right now this is starting to sound a little fishy to me well actually he was written up in the paper and everything a museum came and carbon dated it for him wow very it was pretty old but um he had he spends a lot of time he's in florida and he spends a lot of time out in the wood the wilderness of florida yeah and he has run into more than just bigfoot out there he's run into some different cryptids i guess that's what bigfoot is in the cryptid yeah category and there may or may not be some psychedelic i mean he does i mean i can't fault the guy he before he has to go out and battle the mosquitoes he needs a oh, little bit of na- a little nature a nip just, of nature he has a nip of nature okay. that's what and so i mean <laughs> So I think that makes him a little bit more in tune to the language of the Sasquatch. He's on the same wavelength. <laughs> yeah. to pick up. The I thought the Sasquatch was like out in Washington State or out in the oh, no, he's Midwest. everywhere. He's in a lot of places. We've he, had a he's lot almost of like Santa Claus. Yeah, like he goes everywhere. Yeah. We've had it a lot of like the Loch Ness monster. You know, that's everywhere. To every lake, every river has something. You know. Yeah, yes, we've well, just got gators. Well, lately we have had some um, Sasquatch sightings yeah. here locally. Some well, of the power guys, right? Working on the power lines. Yes. Seen the, ne- the nest. They've of seen the nest Bigfoot. and they've heard the calls of Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A cell phone or anything. I'm not sure how the Sasquatch called them, but it's fine. They, they heard the call. Right. And I'm not one to question. Everybody does their own thing. It was a knock. There's a tree knock. Oh, it was the the wood knock. Yeah, that was the call. It was the knocking of wood. There was wood knocking. And we don't know if that particular power worker had any drug test after that. I don't know. I don't want to mess with his career. Yeah. So he was brave enough to record it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) I, I am going to put law cookies in law oven. Okay, because I'll yeah. set, I've, got, I've got Alexa here. I can set the timer and she'll... Uh, oh, good. It says bake for 11 to 12 minutes until the edges just until the edges are just golden. And the, the dough will still be soft. And that's a good thing. That's what the recipe says. <laughs> okay. The dough will still be very soft. We'll remove them from the oven. That's a good thing. Okay. So, now, is the jelly going to melt or is it no. going to... Keep- is it going to harden? What kind of consistency do you think our little it's blueberries gonna, and apricots are going to have? It's going to be like a it's going to be like a warm jelly, but it's going to stay a jelly. It's not going to melt. It's not going to oh, run. Good. 
it'll just kind of stay there. But it'll, the nice thing is it bakes into the cookie just under where the jelly is. Mm -hmm. So it should help it stick to the cookie a little bit. But I'm setting my timer actually for 11 minutes. Okay. And I'm going to take another sip of Bailey's. I'm excited to get back into the story of your teacher. I am excited about this story. This murder is completely and totally insane. Hi there, I'm Dustin. Do you have a comfort show that you always go back to? Or perhaps there's a TV series you haven't seen in a while and wonder if it's still any good? Well, welcome to the Rewatch Recap, a show where friends and I will queue up an older TV show we've seen and then give a breakdown with commentary of how we feel watching it now, and making fun of it if it doesn't hold up, of course. Dropping episodes weekly, it's easy to rewatch along with us. We'll be focusing on shows from most any era, so suggestions are always welcome. It's sure to be fun, so be sure to check in with us every Monday on the Rewatch Recap. It was a, it was really a random killing. It was the the two, the victim and the perpetrator never knew each other. It was totally and completely random. So he and just snapped one night? Like, did he have, what kind of a home life did he have? Well, the, 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 as I understand it, the kids, there were some, he's got, he had a house and it was like a, a service drive that was behind it. Mm-hmm. And there were some kids who were out in the back and there was, there might've been, you know, a fight or kids jostling each other. Mm-hmm. And he opened the door and he said, to, he, he just said to one of the kids, Hey, you want to come in, you know, and have a few drinks and let's party. And then the kid was never seen, seen from again, seen of again, seen again. So how long did it take for somebody to like, what happened to the body? Well, he, he he murdered and mutilated this kid. I'm not going to go into all the gory details, but it was really gory. And then he placed a call to a friend of his who was a local attorney, a male, and said, look, you know, um, I, you know, I've just killed somebody. I really need your help. Mm. And the attorney came up to see him. Um, the, I think the what happened was the attorney lived uh, about an hour away okay. and said, look, I'm going to call the rabbi. And this guy, the, the murderer wasn't Jewish. He said, but but he was part of their social circle. I'm going to call the rabbi and have the rab have you talk to the rabbi. Oh. So the rabbi got involved and this guy's parents got involved. It was like a whole, almost like an intervention that wow. came and went to this guy's house and he he turned himself in. But that's when the game started. I mean, it was like a game started because what happened was the in order to get the charges dismissed, the uh, the teacher alleged that this attorney he called violated his attorney-client privilege by notifying his parents and notifying this rabbi as to what had happened. Right. But it turned out, um, and I don't want to give any spoilers about no, my no, book. No, no, don't spoil it. This is fascinating. But that's the whole crux of the story is that... Um, this person in my book, it's a gal named Jesse Martin, and she's a young pregnant attorney. The teacher calls her mm-hmm. and this teacher was her mentor, her friend, someone that, you know, kind of groomed her to be an attorney and her father's best friend, very close friend. But then in order to gain his freedom, he chooses his freedom over her and accuses her of violating her attorney client privilege and jeopardizing her life, her relationship with her partner her uh her job i mean her life goes down the drain because uh because of of this this mentor yeah. so you know it's just all about relationships yeah 
It seems like it. Yeah. That's, a, so that's really cool. How much of the book is reality? Um, Obviously, that you've created the characters and developed yeah. the characters. But did that did that same scenario happen to the attorney that initially helped him? Well, some of the law and and procedure that I describe in the book parallels uh-huh. the truth. Okay. But what I do is what I write my books because they're inspired by local crimes. I just take the seedling. You know, what if? Okay. And sure. I insert my characters into that scenario and see okay. how they kind of scramble around and how they handle that situation. That's, right. that's really incredible. That's great. Then, you, then you're not so, um, you're not so, so held to like a certain narrative. Like if you just, you're planting a seed, so you're using right. space as a seed, but then you are really growing that on your own, which is nice because you really are not held to, you're not, you're not held to anything. Mm-hmm. You're just saying, what if, what if this were to yeah. happen? Yeah. Right. That's fascinating. Right. That's so fascinating. So after you wrote the book, did you hear from him at all? I didn't hear from him. I didn't hear from anybody other than, you know, some of the people who would come to my book signings and they would say, how could you write about this? It's such a horrible thing. You know, I, mean, uh. but, um, <laughs> I never, you know, and I, and people ask me, did I speak to him? Did I get in contact with him? No, because it's not his story. No. Right. You know what I mean, it's, yeah. it's about a teacher's story, but not this particular teacher's story. Right. So you didn't, obviously you didn't hear anything from like the victim's family then. You didn't know through any of that. They've long since left the area. Okay. Okay. That's good. That is really, it is a wonderful book. Wonderful book. Thank you. I appreciate that. Very. The one that just came out in April is called Hooker Avenue. And again, I had a relationship with that particular crime, because in 1995, my business partner and I bought a, a law office in downtown Poughkeepsie, and um, we we didn't know, but it came with a problem, and the problem was that the building had been vacant for so long, we bought it from the bank, that it had become a gathering spot for uh, for for women who, sex traffic workers. Oh, Okay. So when oh, we would no. go to the office, they were like hanging around our stoop and hanging out on our front porch. And we'd have to say, girls, you know, please, you know, can you take your business elsewhere? I mean, they were nice enough, but then, but they were like, they were not harassing our, our clients, but they were, you know, pro- they were, they were, you know, soliciting them. So it was, we kept calling the police and oh. saying, you got to help us here. You got to give us a hand. Yeah. So oh, the police... Didn't do anything initially. Right. And then the girls started disappearing. Oh, no. And then we discovered, so this was 95, we bought the building. In 98, we discovered that there had been a, a guy who was stopping in front of our building or by the corner, picking up these women, bringing them back to his house and murdering them. Oh, no. Oh, my God. So he was a serial killer. He was a serial killer, but they didn't know it because no. what happened was these women, um, the, the families reported these women missing, sure. right? but they would fall through the cracks because that one would be reported over in Beacon, New York, where they lived. One would be reported in Newburgh. One would be reported in High Park. And there was no connection. There was no communication between all the different cities and town to say, hey, do you have a missing girl? Hey, do you have a missing girl? Hey, do you have a missing girl? Oh, oh, Until right. the families got together 
1998 and went to the district attorney's office and said, look, you haven't done anything. We have eight women who are missing. You have to do something. You have to find these women. Eight women. Whoa. That's really sad. Over a two-year period. They, the police did nothing. Nobody did anything. So they, they formed this task force where they brought in the FBI and they brought in the State Bureau of Investigation and they had, you know, helicopters. They had everything going on and they couldn't find anything. They couldn't find anybody that they thought could possibly be responsible for the disappearance of these women. So then a woman shows up at one of the local Sunoco stations mm-hmm. and she's beaten to a pulp. Oh. The owner of the Sunoco station calls the police and says, look, um, you know, I've got this woman here. I really think you have to investigate. So they send the, they send the cop cars over. They do the investigation. And this woman describes this guy named Kendall Francois. Well, it turns out that they had previously brought him in six months ago or prior because <laughs> another prostitute had complained that she'd been beaten up by him. Oh, oh my gosh. So they, they bring him in, they're interrogating him. And I heard this from the district attorney. She's sitting there and then all of a sudden, okay, he admits, you know, he beat this woman. Then he admits he's got four women buried in his house. <gasps> what? It was like totally ran, totally random. They had no idea he was just going to admit that this happened. Yeah. Oh my God. That is crazy. So then they go to his house and after 28 days, they exhume Eight bodies. Oh my God. Oh, he miscounted. <laughs> yeah, he, I guess he wasn't the brightest guy, but I guess he wasn't keeping track. Yeah. Then he had your mask of, what did you say? Your mask, mask of sanity. Sanity, because yeah. he was the guy that moved around the community. I mean, he had worked at one of the uh, one of the middle schools as a hall monitor. He'd worked. You know, people knew him. I knew his dentist. I mean, every I knew people that um, you know that went to that went to college with him, and that was the whole thing. Just kind of like blew open. Oh my God, that is amazing. Wow. That is amazing. That's, I mean, it gives me chills. I just got okay. chills. That's so, crazy. I just think they need to turn that book into a movie. They do need to turn <laughs> both of them. I'll vote for that. <laughs> I, I'm sure you do, but I'm serious. They both are, are so, I mean, it's just right in line with all of the stories that we are addicted to. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
And so, um, denial, I'm like those billy goats that freeze <laughs> when, and then they faint. I don't faint, but I could fall over at yeah. any minute. And <laughs> not oh, you're not going to believe what happened to my cookies. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what happened? Did they, they all melted into one big cookie? Nice. Mine didn't even spread. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to see hers. So you can now you can cut them into bars. Yeah, now you made bars. <laughs> yeah, I think I did make bars. Oh, that's what they look like. Oh, that's great. You can pass them off at bars. Nobody knows the difference. Take it to the bar. No, I didn't mean take it to the bar. I'm saying pretend like it's a bar. <laughs> How much time do we have left on them? Because my alarm didn't go off. Oh, our alarm went off, but there's they still. I would say we have another minute and a half. Oh, I'm taking mine out. Mine are. I'm showing them to you. I can't wait. Oh, sheets of cookie. Really? It's like the cookie company when they make the The big big cookie. cookie. Oh wow! Oh, it's like a pizza cookie. They're gorgeous. You've you've developed a whole new recipe. (laughs) I think so. I Actually, think you can probably bar, you know, you're right. There probably could be bars. Yeah. I absolutely. think that you can just use a pizza cutter and cut those. <laughs> yeah. You know, I could have, I could have over whipped them. Um, sometimes it happens when, if your butter's not really cold, when you're, you're going in. So if the know, dough like, wasn't really cold going in, sometimes the butter, if it's already soft, it'll melt a little bit more when you stick it in the oven. Yeah. I think they're that's probably what happened. They're still pretty. They're beautiful. And you can just use a pizza cutter. Yeah. Just cut them like a pizza. And I mean, I think you've got a whole, I mean, I think it's a whole new recipe. I think it's perfect. There I think go. they're gorgeous. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that funny though? We all, we, we follow the same steps. Yep. And yours are probably going to turn out to be gorgeous. And mine turned out to be the pizza. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> my balls weren't gorgeous. But, <laughs> I mean, and typically I would have gorgeous balls. Oh, I don't know that we should be talking about balls. <laughs> balls. Where's the, your brain? The sun is still up. The sun is still up. We don't talk about that until the sun goes That's down. That's right. So, <laughs> so interestingly enough, Karen and I both have similar scenarios in that we were friends with the family of a person that murdered another person in our community when we were growing up. Really? And Karen had a a classmate in high school. I had one of those dodged a bullet moments. And her her classmate murdered a a mail carrier when they were in high school. We were juniors in high school and I was supposed to have studied with him. We were in exams and we had a geometry exam the next day. And so we were going to meet at the local library and study because he sat behind me in geometry class. And at the end of school, we were on half days. I told him as he was getting on the bus, I've changed my mind. I'm going to go lay out by the pool because that was where my priorities were because that's why I'm not an attorney. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and so I didn't meet him that night. And that afternoon after school, about four o'clock in the afternoon, um, he jumped in. The mail carrier was turning around in their driveway and he jumped in her car with a hunting knife and he ended up um, stabbing her 64 times and slitting her throat. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, he was just angry that you didn't meet him that day. Something happened. Something there was to. definitely some sort of a snap that happened. He definitely snapped. Wow. But but I, we've gone and gotten all of the all of the court documents as well on that case. Mm-hmm. And I actually found the psychologist report because he was a juvenile. He was seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to see a psychologist 
Mm-hmm. Um, and meet with the psychologist to see if he was sane enough. I mean, that's an automatic thing in Virginia. I don't know if it is in every state. Wow. Hold on. Anne's taking my cookies out for me, but I'm in the way. Look how beautiful they are. <laughs> Look how beautiful they are. Look, those are cookies. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't know what, because I thought I didn't do it right because my dough was so crumbly. Yeah. So, it's, I, yeah. I don't know what happened to my dough. And it, you know what? It's. It's it's could be a humidity thing. I mean, who knows? It, <laughs> cooking is <laughs> not cooking is just practicing. It's exactly. Not, it's not a science fact. It's just a we're going to give it a try. So, but anyway, um, so I got the court documents and reading the psychologist's report. He was a ticking time bomb. Mm. In fact, he had had a couple of run-ins in the community that had just been um, handled very quietly, either not in court at all or with our principal, but he never brought it to light that he was, a that he was having any problems at our school. Mm. So um, this is a guy that, I mean, I, he was my buddy, like he was my yeah. math buddy and yeah. um, you know, he played football and I was a cheerleader. We never had a romantic relationship, but we were friends. We were buddies. I, and so um, it just, when it happened and, and the next day, our, my dad came in and woke me up to go to school the next day and told me that um, he had been arrested because he murdered a lady. I didn't believe him. I was mm-hmm. like, there's, they've got the wrong guy. It took me months to come to terms, but I kept saying, it's going to come out. They have the wrong guy. They have the wrong guy, but they didn't have the wrong didn't guy. Have like the, the hunt, the knife that he used to kill her. He had washed it off in the kitchen sink and put it in a tackle box under his bed. And that, and they found it and had her blood in the handle. So it's kind of hard to say it wasn't. It wasn't him. So, but um, he actually went to prison for life. He got life plus 60 years because he kidnapped her. And mm. um, he died in prison when he was 40 because prison oh, life is really? not, I mean, he went into prison when he was 17. So yeah. I mean, he went to jail. And then once he w- went to prison, I think he was 18. He actually confessed right before the trial started because he just wanted to save his parents from there. You know, they were, of course, having a really hard time. His mom was a bus driver at our school. So um, it was crazy, but yeah, I mean, that was just one of those dodge the bullet moments. Yeah, that, de- that was definitely a dodge the bullet. Moment. I mean, that yeah. stays with you. That stays with you for the rest of your life. Oh, I mean, sure it does. Just, it does. It just never leaves you. So I think about it all the time. I mean, it just pops up the, the memory of him and us laughing. And I can hear him laugh. And, and then I get this picture of this monster and I'm just like, I mean, I spent, he, he walked me on several occasions after either a football game or when we were painting murals for our prom, he would walk me to my car at night alone and make sure I got to my car. Cause we were in dark parking lots and he'd put me in the car, lock the door and send me on my way. Yeah. He was such a nice guy. Yeah. Which is yeah. what I, which is kind of what I got the feeling that, that, that the school teacher was for his students, this, this nice, fun, loving, teacher that they didn't see this dark side of him they they didn't i mean uh, and nobody saw that you know as you said he had that mask on right yeah, and, and that's where i'm the monster that's where the monster was hidden underneath yeah. right it's yeah. just crazy and you wonder you walk around every day and and you you know in the grocery store am i standing next to a person whose mask of sanity is about to disintegrate and fall off and you know, what, what could happen? You just, it's crazy. And that's just the psychology of humans. But where I heard the term the first time is when I read the psychologist report, he talked about Scott's mask of sanity. 
Mm. And now it had been more and more difficult for him to keep it together. Mm. And so he was just, it was just a matter of time. So I could have been his victim. Yeah. If I had met him. That's right. That's right. You know, but I also have thought for many years, if I had met him, maybe that woman would not have been killed. Oh, you could. Yeah. You you know, but it it was so random. So it was just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that there there are people out there that have just dodged the bullet. So you say, yeah, you know, that it hits so close to home with the murders. So can you tell us the status of these two people without giving away anything in your book? Uh, Yeah. In real life, the um, the uh, serial killer uh, died in prison. Okay, And that was in 2014. He died. All right. Um, And then uh, the teacher is still in a psychiatric hospital. Okay. And, you know, every two years we hear about the case and wonder if he, you know, it's, it's like, who is it? The John David Chapman who killed um, a John Lennon. His, he just came up for parole. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. He sure did. Yeah. And again, I guess for the 11th time and for the 11th time, they said, no, I mean, people, yeah. I mean, they have the right to petition and they do. Right. You know? But yeah. with the teacher though, if you think about it, the teacher, a teacher is surrounded by so many vulnerable uh, students. Oh yes. my gosh. I mean, I'm surprised yeah. that, yeah, I'm surprised that he actually snapped and lured a kid that he didn't know in when it would have been so much easier to lure a student or an ex-student or a parent. Right. In. Like, you know, it, it's just, it really does speak to, he must have just, something must have popped. I don't know. Right. That night. I mean, it's just crazy. I went on to Murderpedia when I was finished listening to the book and read about him in real life. And it just, I was like, what, (laughs) what happened? (laughs) What happened there? You know, they don't know what happened. I mean, you, you, as much as you, you can have all of the specialists, you know, and all the experts in the world, but you can't explain what goes on in the human mind. No, but it doesn't even sound like he was exhibiting signs prior to. He wasn't. It just one, you know, one day he was this great, teacher great with the kids very involved in the education process and the next minute he's murdered an 18 year old and that's what's what's <laughs> really what blows my mind because so often once the person pops or whatever <laughs> they go off right. their nails a lot of times you'll have people coming out of the woodwork right saying oh yeah i mean remember when he was a kid he used to light cats on fire or you know <laughs> he used to eat animals or you know what i'm saying i mean that's that's the thing is usually that happens like when this guy scott got arrested i mean there were people that were you know but the other cases came to light and you know there were other people that were saying they had run-ins with him and stuff like that but it doesn't sound like that happened for this teacher. No, no. It actually, what happened was that when he started to apply for uh, for release from the psychiatric hospital, people started popping up saying, "Oh, he sexually abused me. Oh, oh he's a pedophile. Oh. He kept all of these things really well hidden." In fact. One of the guys, this is when Oprah was on the air. I mean, how many years is that? 20 years ago, she did a thing about male victims. Yeah. Uh-huh. The victims popped up and spoke. Really? Oh, so my as gosh. We, yeah, over time, you know, people started to, uh, you know, bring out episodes that they'd had with him. And wow. fortunately, that's what's kept him 
in the hospital because otherwise he's exhibiting being, you know, the model of course uh, prisoner. Absolutely. Right. I have I found they all find God when they're ready for parole. And then all help their other prisoner of their fellow prisoners right. with math, reading, I don't know. And they earned a degree. Yeah, this guy was a teacher. Yeah. In yeah so, and then all of a sudden they present themselves as what they are not right. in front of the board. They put on That's another right. mask of sanity. Exactly. Yeah. That is crazy. That is crazy. That's, so, a great, that's a great name for a title for a book, The Mask of Sanity. Uh-oh. You better copyright <laughs> that or say patent or whatever. I copyright that. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I trademark it. I trademark it. You got to trademark it. Yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know what to do. I don't know what trademark to do. <laughs> okay. So speaking of that, I went on your website and I'm not a stalker, so don't be nervous. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but I noticed that you you give a lot of workshops. I do. I give a. I have a program called the Writers Law School, and uh, people were coming up to me at, at conferences and saying, "Oh, I hear you're a lawyer." You know, <laughs> it's a publishing question. So I decided to come up, and especially during the pandemic, I was home, you know, staring at the four walls like everybody else. I said, "You know, I'm going to come up with a program that kind of me- uh, advises." writers on copyrights and trademarks and patents and how to start a business and publishing contracts because I think it's really needed. Yes. So a short little program. It's about 45 minutes to an hour. I, you know, I've been doing it at libraries and for arts organizations, really, really all over the world. It kind of took off. I started it a year ago, July, and it's it's really been a lot of fun to go out and talk to people and do it. A lot of it's virtual. So um yeah, I just did a group in um, Florida today, and it's. It, I think it's 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 needed because you know when you're a writer, you think about writing. You don't think about being a business person. You don't think about protecting the work that you're spending all this time creating. Yes, I think yeah. it's really important. So I noticed on your um, list of uh, little things that you <laughs> offer that you do <laughs> stop that you do editorial support for youth writers yes called so would we so we're very youthful very youthful we we're like a driver's license we act very young like <laughs> immaturely and but the number of our driver's license might be deceiving but we're very okay. youthful. so if we were to sign up for that are you going to ask for an id <laughs> uh, no i will not ask for an id Okay, okay, good, good, good. And okay. you know, I'm going to recognize your names anyway. Uh, so. That's true. <laughs> we need we need some help. Don't I mean we're we're trying to we're trying to emulate a writer. <laughs> we're trying to act like we're writers. We're right in the now. process of writing. You are writers. You are writers. We're yes. in the process of writing a book yes. about one of the murders that we covered on our podcast. That's actually from our hometown, and we were not. We were not birthed to be writers. No. We were not educated to be writers. We we didn't know that we could write, but we're doing it. And we both have jobs that involve numbers. We're numbers people. We're both numbers people. Okay. So, so uh, but the podcast has been a real good creative outlet for us because it has nothing to do with numbers. Right. So that's good. And so now we're writing this book and we need workshops. We need some work. There workshops. you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, 
if you go on my website, you'll see the list of all the dates that I'm giving them and you can sign up. A lot of them are for free. So yeah, yeah, I, saw that. yeah I didn't see anything that was out of our price range. Believe me, I was go. like, <laughs> I'm going to find the one that's $300 and say, why are you charging $300? And I couldn't find it. <laughs> well, you so, know, writing is really a muscle. And I mean, honestly, when I when I started, I was a technical writer because, I mean, that's what lawyers are. Right, I was yeah. a technical writer. So I had to go. Um, I went to Thriller Fest and I learned, you know, what is a story arc and, you know, um, how, you know, exactly the plot, how where things should happen in your plot. And and it's just, you know, it's just and how to craft a good villain. I mean, there's certain things that you can oh, do to learn it. Fest. I, we need to Where look at Thriller we Fest. We've been missing out. There's, you know, there's there was also one down closer to you in Florida called Sleuth Fest. That's we we're we definitely we are we are sleuths. <laughs> there sleuths. you go. You are sleuths. We're sleuths. sleuths. Not sloths. Sleuths. No. I mean, on Sundays no. I tend to no. be a sloth, but on <laughs> all the other days I'm sleuthing. I'm out. The, we're out there sleuthing all the time. There you go. See, podcast as we sleuth. But that's what you do. You know, you just—it's a muscle. You can learn it. It's craft. You can just have fun. That's what it's all about. Having fun. Yes, and that was a piece of advice that we got from a a local author here that we know. And I was reaching out to him, saying, "We don't even know how to start. Like we feel stupid just trying, just trying to put words on a page because we know that this is so above us." And he's like, "It's not above you because you already talk. So just write the way you talk." Right, right. Just, and that's that, what's going to bring bring your personalities into it because that's what makes your podcast popular and that's what's going to help your book. And that was really, to me, it was it was like permission to write. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just needed Another, somebody to say permission to write. As so now we have actually sold books is telling you yes. you can do it. Yes, absolutely. So, but anyway, we're very... We're in awe of your books. Oh, of oh your- thank you. I appreciate Fantastic. that. So not my cookies, though. My cookies are nothing. <laughs> no, well, let's taste them. Why don't you pizza cut one and let's taste it? Because it might taste better than it looks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> okay, let me. I'm getting the pizza cutter. <laughs> my shiny red pizza cutter. I, I love, love it. Get out of my mouth. <laughs> Weird. Don't say that. You know what? They're so... They're so goopy. They just kind of fell apart. They're just like all buttery. <laughs> that, oh, that's, there's nothing wrong with butter. Oh, 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 oh. Uh-uh. no. Did you, you put do? soap in it? What happened? I, I, no, it just, I don't, they taste like, um, taste almost like a roll, like a roll. Maybe oh, there's no. just not enough sugar. I don't know what there was. Oh, I don't know what no, happened. I put, I put in a couple, three tablespoons of flour and I thought maybe I just didn't put enough flour. Maybe um, so. That could be it. That would be a reason that it would spread too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you Too got much a mouth- butter and not enough flour. There <laughs> you go. Yeah, it sounds like you got a mouthful of sugar and butter. <laughs> yeah, it, it tasted like I was eating butter, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, I got to tell you, mine turned out pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jody, you're a better writer than us. Oh, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> You guys are the bakers. Look, you are the bakers. I, I bow to you. I bow to you. <laughs> we have lucky days in the kitchen. Yeah, we all. have lucky days and we have not so lucky days. So it just, it's a spin of the wheel. 
Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> well, I am going to try these again. Now I've you've thrown down the gauntlet. I have thrown it down. The challenge is on. Right. And now so I have a question about this. It says the paddle attachment mm-hmm. in the recipe. I used one that it kind of was, was that wasn't a hook, but it kind of looked like a hook. It wasn't flat like a paddle. Right, but it's got space in it. Right. It's got yeah. like yeah, yeah. like in, yeah. in the KitchenAid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a paddle. I don't know what I did. If that's the paddle, listen, I didn't even use the paddle because I like that. Yeah, that's what I used. The paddle. That is what that is. It's the paddle. But I ended up not using the paddle because my KitchenAid is up on top of my refrigerator and I can't get it down. And I forgot to ask my husband to get it before he went to work. (laughs) I never, I never used that. I just used, um, just like a regular hand mixer and mixed it and just kept like I got the butter and the cream cheese mixed together really good. And then I threw the sugar and the flour in and then very, it took a while, but got it mixed. Yeah. And I think that's why mine was crumbly because mm. I just used a hand mixer. So maybe yeah, next time they do it, use the whisk attachment instead of the paddle and see if that makes a difference. Yep. I think maybe I over, I, I beat it too much. I over, oh. you know, I could have over whipped the butter and right. the cream cheese. Yeah. Well, all I want to know is try it again. Yeah, I am. I'm going to try a hand mixer next time and see how. Yeah, it goes. and then let us know. You can email us a picture when you get it perfect. I am. I am definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post it. And say, look what Jody finally did. She conquered it. Conquered it. <laughs> well, they looked real pretty when before they went into the oven. Yeah. They were gorgeous. I was really impressed, and I was like, my. I even said under my breath to Ann, "Mine don't look so good." <laughs> She's like, "Just put them in I the oven. We'll these- deal with them." How do they taste? It's yummy. They taste so They're good. Delicious. And the blueberry is oh, amazing. Uh, sorry. Good. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Look, I'm we sorry tried. that my cookies turned out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really science. I mean, if you think about it, you know. Absolutely. I mean, you guys are, you know, mathematicians and you know how to do things. And wow. I don't know. I don't know what I did. Anyway, it's obvious. It was fun. It was fun to do it. <laughs> Karen's a whiz at spreadsheets and I'm an auditor. So I'm uh, attention to detail. Yeah, <laughs> that, is that is true. Well, Jody, this has been so much fun. We can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to come on our silly little show. And yes, thank you so much. We really, really love your books. And we thank just you. We, you've got such a sweet personality. You're so much fun. I just feel like we could, I man, I feel like we could be friends. I mean, we definitely could be friends. We I definitely think. Oh, yeah. I just think yes. so. Absolutely. Here we go. Let's see. How did we get there? <laughs> I can learn something from you guys about baking and also about true crime. There you yes, go. Yes, exactly. And sleuthing. Sleuthing. And sleuthing. Yes. <laughs> That's to my resume. <laughs> Yeah, resume builder. I love that. <laughs> so just um, for our listeners, where can they find your books? Well, they can find my books um, on Amazon, any independent bookstore, places where books are sold. Okay. Um, as I said, um, October 11th, the second edition of The Midnight Call will be released. And then I'll have a new book coming out in uh, the spring of 2023. Oh, exciting. And my my website is www.jodyjodemillmanmillman.com. That's how they can find me. Excellent, wonderful, Jody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, just thank enjoyed you. this. It was so and much fun. Thanks again. We would love it. <laughs> we would love it if you would stay sweet and don't murder. 
Because if you kill people, we will talk about you and it won't be pretty. This has been Sugar Coated <laughs> Murder Podcast, a deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.